Section 28 of Golden Fleece and the Heroes Who Lived Before Achilles. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eden Ray Hedrick. The Golden Fleece and the Heroes Who Lived Before Achilles by Parrot Colum. Part three, chapter six. How Orpheus the Minstrel went down to the world of the dead. Many were the minstrels who, in the early days, went through the world, telling to men the stories of the gods, telling of their wars and their births. Of all these minstrels, none was so famous as Orpheus, who had gone with the Argonauts. None could tell truer things about the gods, for he himself was half divine. But a great grief came to Orpheus a grief that stopped his singing and his playing upon the lyre. His young wife, Eurydice, was taken from him. One day, walking in the garden, she was bitten on the heel by a serpent, and straightway she went down to the world of the dead. Then everything in this world was dark and bitter for the minstrel Orpheus. Sleep would not come to him, and for him food had no taste. Then Orpheus said, I will do that which no mortal has ever done before. I will do that which even the immortals might shrink from doing. I will go down into the world of the dead, and I will bring back to the living and to the light my bride Eurydice. Then Orpheus went on his way to the valley of Acherusia, which goes down, down, into the world of the dead. He would never have found his way to that valley if the trees had not shown him the way. For as he went along, Orpheus played upon his lyre and sang, and the trees heard his song, and they were moved by his grief and with their arms and their heads they showed him the way to the deep, deep valley of Acherusia. Down, down by winding paths through that deepest and most shadowy of all valleys, Orpheus went. He came at last to the great gate that opens upon the world of the dead, and the silent guards who keep watch there for the rulers of the dead were frighted when they saw a living being, and they would not let Orpheus approach the gate. But the minstrel, knowing the reason for their fear, said, I am not Heracles, come again to drag up from the world of the dead your three-headed dog Cerberus. I am Orpheus, and all that my hands can do is make music upon my lyre. And then he took the lyre in his hands, and played upon it. As he played, the silent watchers gathered around him, leaving the gate unguarded. And as he played, the rulers of the dead came forth, Adonius and Persephone, and listened to the words of the living man. The cause of my coming through the dark and fearful ways, sang Orpheus, is to strive to gain a fairer fate for Eurydice, my bride. All that is above must come down to you at last, O rulers of the most lasting world. But before her time has Eurydice been brought here. I have desired strength to endure her loss, but I cannot endure it. And I have come before you, Adonius and Persephone, brought here by love. When Orpheus said the name of love, Persephone, the queen of the dead, bowed her young head, and bearded Adonius, the king, bowed his also. Persephone remembered how Demeter, her mother, had sought her through all the world, and she remembered the touch of her mother's tears upon her face. And Adonius remembered how his love for Persephone had led him to carry her away from the valley in the upper world, where she had been gathering flowers. He and Persephone bowed their heads and stood aside, and Orpheus went through the gate and came amongst the dead. Still upon his lyre he played. 
Tantalus, who, for his crimes, had been condemned to stand up to his neck in water, and yet never to be able to assuage his thirst, Tantalus heard, and for a while did not strive to put his lips toward the water that ever flowed away from him. Sisyphus, who had been condemned to roll up a hill a stone that ever rolled back, Sisyphus heard the music that Orpheus played, and for a while he sat still upon his stone. And even those dread ones who bring to the dead the memories of all their crimes and all their faults, even the Eumenides, had their cheeks wet with tears. In the throng of the newly come dead, Orpheus saw Eurydice. She looked upon her husband, but she had not the power to come near him. But slowly she came, when Adonius called her. Then with joy Orpheus took her hands. It would be granted them, no mortal ever gained such privilege before, to leave, both together, the world of the dead, and to abide for another space in the world of the living. One condition there would be, that on their way up through the valley of Acherusia, neither Orpheus nor Eurydice should look back. They went through the gate, and came amongst the watchers that are around the portals. These showed them the path that went up through the valley of Acherusia. That way they went, Orpheus and Eurydice, he going before her. Up and up through the darkened ways they went, Orpheus knowing that Eurydice was behind him, but never looking back upon her. But as he went, his heart was filled with things to tell, how the trees were blossoming in the garden she had left, how the water was sparkling in the fountain, how the doors of the house stood open, and how they, sitting together, would watch the sunlight on the laurel bushes. All these things were in his heart to tell her who came behind him, silent and unseen. And now they were nearing the place where the valley of Acherusia opened on the world of the living. Orpheus looked on the blue of the sky. A white-winged bird flew by. Orpheus turned around and cried, Oh, Eurydice, look upon the world that I have won you back to. He turned to say this to her. He saw her with her long, dark hair and pale face. He held out his arms to clasp her. But in that instant she slipped back into the depths of the valley, and all he heard spoken was a single word. Farewell. Long, long had it taken Eurydice to climb so far, but in the moment of his turning around she had fallen back to her place amongst the dead. Down through the valley of Acherusia Orpheus went again. Again he came before the watchers of the gate. But now he was not looked at, nor listened to, and, hopeless, he had to return to the world of the living. The birds were his friends now, and the trees, and the stones. The birds flew around him, and mourned with him. The trees and stones often followed him, moved by the music of his lyre. But a savage band slew Orpheus, and threw his severed head and his lyre into the river Hebrus. It is said by the poets that while they floated in midstream, the lyre gave out some mournful notes, and the head of Orpheus answered the notes with song. And now that he was no longer to be counted with the living, Orpheus went down to the world of the dead, not going now by that steep descent through the valley of Acherusia, but going down straightway. The silent watchers let him pass, and he went amongst the dead, and saw his Eurydice in the throng. Again they were together, Orpheus and Eurydice, and as they went through the place that the king Adonius ruled over, they had no fear of looking back, one upon the other. End of section 28